Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of Three Course Politics. I'm Josh. And I'm Hills. And we had a, uh, a bit of a hiatus, but we are back now. Sometimes life gets in the way, but we are still here to bring you the news and uh, important topics. Hills, anything you want to say? No, I love that we're back. It's a rainy Memorial Day weekend, and there's nothing better to do but podcast. On the pod today, we're going to talk a little bit of Biden's cabinet. We're going to talk some vaccines and what comes next. We're also going to do a little side dish about uh, Biden's budget. And your dessert, we're talking UFOs. It's a little spooky. We'll talk some UFOs. But first, have you subscribed? Uh, please do so now. It will help you get the episodes as soon as they are done. All you have to do is go to our podcast wherever you're listening and click the subscribe button. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a written review. If we get five or more reviews, it will make the show turn up. So please write something about us, and it will truly, truly help us out. Anything you want to add, Hills, before we uh, get to the pre-dinner shot? Yeah, no, I just want to thank everyone for for listening with us since we've been doing this for two years. We um, Hopefully you've learned a lot of things from, from us, and we've learned a lot of things too. So we're very excited for this episode and talk about some things that are happening now that the news is less scary than I think it, it has been. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think the news is slowly uh, turning away from the pandemic. Hopefully we'll have some good news we talk about the the pandemic in uh, your entree, but we have your pre-dinner shot, and that's coming up right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your pre-dinner shot. And today's question is, which state has the highest vaccination rate and which state has the lowest vaccination rate of at least one dose? So I'll say it again. Which state, as of May 30th, uh, 2021 has the highest vaccination rate and which state has the lowest vaccination rate of at least one dose? The answer is won't, su- won't surprise you. <laughs> it will not surprise it's you. It's not that surprising. It's probably exactly what you think. The the top, the <laughs> highest vaccination might might surprise you, but the lowest one isn't that surprising when you think about it. You no, know, it's, it's almost tied, though, for last with another state that won't surprise you either. So <laughs> Excellent. You know, and with that, we're going to go into Biden's cabinet, which is coming up right now. We are going to talk in our appetizer about Biden's cabinet. All right. So on Friday, it was confirmed that Biden now has his full cabinet. The last position was Eric Lander, and he was confirmed by a voice vote, which just meant majority. So we don't know how many of the senators voted against him. Uh, to be filled as the Director of Science and Technology, which Biden is elevating to a cabinet-level position for the very first time. Uh, (laughs) Hales, I have two pieces of information on Biden's cabinet. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Hit me with the bad news first, so when the, the good news comes, it can make me happy again. The bad news is this is the slowest full cabinet confirmation in the last... 40 to 50 years. That's that's not bueno. The slowest full cabinet confirmation in the last 40 to 50 years. The positive news is that Joe Biden is the first president since Ronald Reagan to have all of his nominations confirmed. Remember that um, his director for OMB... Neera Tandon. Neera Tandon. I have to remember her last name. Yeah, Neera, uh, she, was, uh, she withdrew... 
and Biden put someone in, in her place. So technically, all of his nominations were confirmed. Uh, but the first president since Reagan to have all of his uh, first-time uh, nominations confirmed. So that's pretty exciting. That is very exciting. And uh, fun fact about Nira, Biden appointed her to a White House position. So <laughs> she didn't need confirmation on that. That's right. That's right. Um, there's a very cool picture that I'm sure you can find on the internet. It's all of Biden's cabinet. Um, and it's like his cabinet picture and he and Kamala are in the front. And then you've got uh, Lloyd Austin, Janet Yellen, and I think Merrick Garland maybe are up next and then everyone else is behind them. But they're all masked up. They're all six feet apart. It's a pretty cool picture. Um, it's very indicative of, of the time that, you know, majority of the cabinet was uh, – was, uh, was filled. So I thought what we'd do is we'd go through, um, I'm not going to list everyone in Biden's cabinet. Uh, that would take too long. Um, if you want to, maybe we can put a link in the show notes to Biden's cabinet and uh, the picture. Oh, but yeah. I want to get oh, through, yeah. I want to get through what some of the big ones, what some of the big uh, cabinet members have, have been doing. Um, so we'll go through a few hills and you can just give me your, your, your thoughts. Uh, so every single person in the cabinet has made two things their top priority of their departments. One, one is the pandemic and two is climate change. Both seem like things that, you know, it's probably good for the entire cabinet to focus on. So, um, that's nice. And that's a change from where we were. Uh, so Anthony Blinken, secretary of state, he's been dealing with Russia a lot. Um, and he is currently in the Middle East uh, working on a peace talk between Israel and Palestine, who, of course, had that horrible nine-day conflict with, um, you know, many people and children dying on both sides. And uh, he's trying to work something out there. Uh, Janet Yellen, Secretary of Treasury, has been giving talks uh, to White House members, and she's been working with Biden and Kamala uh, to work on the state of the economy and making sure that the inflation rates don't impact the economy as it begins to recover from the pandemic. Uh, Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense, has been focused on ending the war in Afghanistan, and uh, he is reforming um, the sexual assault policy in the military. Uh, Hill's thoughts on those three before we move on. Leadership truly matters here because you know that when if Trump won, none of this would be happening, right? No way. Like, like you may you may fall Biden for doing this or doing that, but his cabinet secretaries are getting to work. They're like, first of all, like undoing stuff that Trump put into place and like firing people that have no business being <laughs> in the places that they are. And second of all, they're make they're trying to make comprehensive policy changes uh, that Trump and his people would never, never, never do. And I and I will say on the cabinet picture, I'll link it in the show notes so you can you can just look and you can look at this beautiful photo for yourself that I'm looking at right now, <laughs> saying thing it, but. You know, other than everyone, like, being masked, you can tell it's, like, it looks like America. It's got women. Right. It's got men. It, well, obviously. But it's got people who are not just all white. White men. Like, old white men. It's got, like, a mix of people. Like, right. And, you know, like, when you have a mix of voices, you end up making really good decisions because you're not just listening to people who are semi-fascists and only love <laughs> you as a leader. Right. No, and I can just appreciate the fact that, you know, all these people, they have so much experience in what they're doing in one way or another that, you know, they're big on restoring the confidence of that department, um, trying to get government people who have spent their entire life in government who left when Trump was in office 
to come back and say, hey, government's back. Like we're doing things again. We are working again. You know, we're, we're uh, you know, basically we're, we're back. Biden likes to say America's back, but we're back and I need you. Right. I think that's a very good message to uh, extend to these government workers who've spent their entire life in the government and need to come back and, you know, write the ship, if you will. Yeah. And can I say one thing about Mr. Pete Buttigieg? He... Uh, well, well, we're going to get there. We're going to get oh, there. Oh, oh, there. oh, okay. Okay, don't, don't. I'm going yeah, too don't fast. Worry. I'm don't. going too fast. <laughs> don't worry. So you think I was going to talk about the cabinet and not talk about Mayor Pete? Oh, we have to. <laughs> I'm just so, so excited. I know. So speaking of, of Mayor Pete, let's go on to the next uh, big few that I wanted to cover. Uh, so Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, uh, his big thing has been promoting civil rights and he's also working to rescind all these Trump orders that protected the police departments. Uh, Merrick Garland currently has two investigations into two different police forces, one in Minnesota, one in uh, Kentucky. Um, and he's really investigating them to see if they you know, have a history or a practice of racial discrimination. So I think you know, that's great. That's something that the Attorney General should be doing. Um, Mayor Pete, here he is, Hills. Here he is. Uh, Mayor Pete, Secretary of Transportation. Um, so he has been an integral part of Biden trying to pass his infrastructure plan. Biden has this grand infrastructure plan and Pete's been in on all these meetings. Pete's meeting with members of Congress. Pete is promoting the plan, right? Um, he's, you know, infrastructure is something that, you know, everyone should be able to get behind. And I think barring something tragic happening, we're going to get some kind of infrastructure deal done. And this is giving Pete the experience that he needs in government to figure out, like, how do you work with Republicans who hate you? And then at the end, how do you get done what you want to get done? I'll let you say what you want about Mayor Pete now. Uh, well, I think this will end up really making or breaking, you know, if he gets this infrastructure deal done and actually implements it, I mean, this will this will set him up pretty well for the future. I, I wanted to say about Mayor Pete coming from New York, you know, when you go between New York and New Jersey on a train, Amtrak or whatever, there are two tunnels under the Hudson River, and they are in about they are going to collapse probably within the next ten to fifteen years. And like those are the only two tunnels under the river for trains. <laughs> um, so like think about that. And there's this project called the Gateway Project that Trump had. He really hated it, but basically it's like. A, rehabilitating the tunnels and creating two new tunnels under the river. So now you have four tunnels that all work. And he just approved a really, really big part of that to move to have it move forward. So he's he's getting to work. Yeah, no, he's uh, Mary Pete is affecting your hometown. See, you're in New York trying to get to New Jersey and Mary Pete wants to help you. He's like, hey, I got it. I got yeah. you. <laughs> and I, I will say on Garland, I mean, he's not like you see Garland and you know, it kind of makes you not super excited to see him as a person just because the way he, he just doesn't exude excitement. <laughs> but he's doing a lot of really great stuff at, uh, you know, at, at justice. And the fact that we don't have an attorney general that is willing to break the rule of law because the guy who appointed him said he wanted to, like, these are all so, so good that we have competent, you know, people and that yeah. they're making policy changes. Well, you, you know... um, They've been asking Biden about, you know, the police departments and police brutality and justice reform. And Biden says that he's staying out of it because he's like, that's my AG's job. Like, he's taking care of that. And just that fact that Biden wants to create this separation that that never existed, right? When 
William Barr or anyone else was under Trump, they, they the first tep, test was, are you loyal to Trump? And the second test is, what are you going to do to help Trump, you know, corrupt America? And the fact that Biden wants to create distance between him and Garland, I think, speaks volumes about both of those people. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, Biden is Biden learned from any mistake that Trump has done and, and just is like, nope, I'm uh... to, the, <laughs> to the opposite. Yeah. Uh, and the last person is uh, Mayorkas for Homeland uh, Security. Um, earlier on, he was getting uh, some criticism over uh, the border crisis. But um, in May, so this month, and really so for, for the past month, no one's talked about the border crisis because it's over. I'm not saying that he solved the border crisis, but he got was he was super involved and he worked and we're starting to reunite families now and no one's talking about this border crisis. It was a made-up crisis to begin with, but no one's talking about it now. And I think uh, Mayorkas has played a uh, a decent-sized role in in ending that that um that uh, crisis that was brewing down there. So he's my my last person. You make a good point. Uh, I didn't think about that we're not thinking about the border crisis anymore, or at least if, if it's still in the news, it's it's not. I, he's like got it under control, right? You know, there was right, that intense yeah. pressure, and then it kind of just got solved. <laughs> yeah, no one's no one's talking about it in like the past month, not even the GOP. So, um, so my big takeaway, Hills, which we kind of talked about, is just how nice and refreshing it is to have competent people in charge of. The government that is involved that you know makes changes in people's lives, and I think it is one of the underappreciated and undervalued aspects of a Biden win in twenty um, in twenty twenty, just because you know he is appointing competent people who know what they're doing, and we don't have to worry about you know oh what crony or what friend is you know the president going to appoint to run a department, but instead Biden's appointing competent people who represent America. Who know what they're doing and are, who are getting involved. I think you're right. I, it, a lot of the change that comes from an administration comes from the cabinets, right? It, it, the president can make a law and stuff, but like a lot of the implementation comes from competent people in your cabinet. And you saw that we saw that with Trump. I mean, just you had his secretaries of defense, which other than Matisse made everything worse, right? His like Pompeo at state didn't know what he was doing, like Ugh, barely God, did anything. Pompeo. Like all of his other uh, people, cabinet positions, like didn't really end up only only ended up really implementing change that helped them. So th- it really matters who's in charge here, and the fact that they're actually getting things done, and they're only they're about what three, four months, well, maybe more, yeah. five months into the job. Like, that's great. Yeah, no, it's it, it's really good. So um, if you're ever feeling down, just know that uh, the Biden cabinet is here working to try and make your life a little better. So, Just a little bit. We don't want it to be too better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, so that was your appetizer. We have your entree. We're talking about COVID rates and vaccines and politics. That's coming up right now. Welcome to your entree, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about current COVID rates, COVID vaccination rates, and also case rates a little bit, but vaccination rates and what they mean going forward for politics and the Biden administration. So I'm going to take you through a number of stats right now. I'm going to to link them into the show notes so you can look at them when you like. 
but I'll go slow so you don't get, you know, it's hard to, when you're listening to someone talk about all these stats, it kind of gets your mind boggling. So I'll go a little bit slow. So number one, 62% of the country has at least one vaccination. That's huge. 62% of eligible adults, I think eligible people for vaccinations, have at least one vaccination. The total people who have at least one dose is 167 million people. People who are fully vaccinated are 134 million people. So there is definitely like a 30 million person gap between at least one dose and fully vaccinated. And so hopefully that 30 million people are in between doses and they didn't just get one and said, screw it, I'm done, because that doesn't protect you from COVID. It may be for a month, but not as much as it should. People who are above, equal to or above 12 years of age, about 62% of people have at least one dose. Fully vaccinated is close to 50, it's 48%. That's pretty huge. And when you bump up the age range from 12 to 18, 161 million people or 62% of people, that's where the 62% is, uh, are vaccinated, you know, fully vaccinated, 51% of people. So we're getting there. We're over the halfway mark with people 18 or older, which is huge. And this is actually the really crucial part. People uh, equal to or greater than 65 years of age. We have 85.8 of those folks have at least one dose, and almost 75% have are fully vaccinated. So that means a lot of these deaths occurred with people who are 65 and older. So 75%, three out of four people 65 or older have received, are fully vaccinated. And you know, that number is even higher when at least one dose. So our elders in society are covered. And people who are 18 and older, half the people are fully vaccinated. And when you go to 12 or older, it's 48% of people. So we are approaching, we may not get to herd immunity, but we're over 50% and we're probably going to get up to like 65, 70 before maybe we plateau out, which is super, super amazing. Josh, what do you think about these stats? Yeah, I mean, these are, are great numbers. And especially given the fact that majority of the deaths from COVID-19 and complications come from people who are 65 years and older. And to have at least 86% of them, uh, you know, having at least one dose, the idea hopefully is that, you know, that number of fully vaccinated will also get to, you know, roughly 86%. I think same thing with the fully vaxxed and the one dose. We have 62.4% of people who have gotten um, at least one dose. There's no reason not to get the second dose. You've already had the first dose, so just go ahead and get the second one while you're uh, you're at it. And then you know, if we hit that that 62 percent mark, um, and you know, in the next two or three weeks, you know, then you know things are looking real good. So I think vaccination rates are they've slowed down significantly, which is not the best news. And I'm sure you'll you'll get their hills with talking about politics, but when you add in people who have already had COVID-19 and are not immune, but are less likely to, to get it again, uh, if you've already had it, you know, we, we are pushing upwards of like 60, 65% of the population now. That's, you know, that's a really, really encouraging stat, but you know, there's still more work to do. Most scientists believe that we're not going to hit herd immunity, which is like 70 to 85% this year anytime soon. And, you know, who knows what we'll have to do with booster shots and all that stuff. But moral of the story is that this summer is looking much more like a normal summer 
compared to at least, you know, the summer of 2020. I think that's a welcome thing, right? People are actually getting their vaccines. I mean, there's, I don't, we're never going to get to 100%, but how, I guess the question for me is, it's a rhetorical question, right? So we're never going to get to herd immunity. That like 25% of people who like really don't want a vaccine, how many of those people are like, I'm never getting this thing in my entire life? And how many of those people are like, I don't really like it, but I might get it in the future and might end up getting it because they are like shamed to do it. Well, and the hope, right, is that as you get, there are people in the population that are never going to get it because, I mean, there is a viral video of a father who was in tears and pleading with his daughter to not get the vaccine because she was going to die if she got the vaccine. And the dad was a huge trumper. Um, and the daughter got the vaccine and presumably unless, you know, she got hit by a bus or something like presumably she's fine. And so hopefully these people, these Trumpers who, even though their candidate got the vaccine, their, their guy got the vaccine, but hopefully when they see their kids, their, you know, doctors, whoever getting the vaccine, hopefully they will start to break down that, that wall and, you know, now the challenge for the Biden administration is you have to bring the vaccine to people. You have to meet people where they are. Um, and I'll just give an example in Maryland. Uh, this next two or three weeks, um, Governor Hogan is doing a GoVax Maryland thing, and he, he's going out to less populated areas, going out to the eastern shores where a lot of elderly people live, and um, it's a more affluent area. Uh, he's going to Deep Creek Lake and setting up a big vaccination site there, and, he's, and they're there for two or three weeks. And I think that you, you have to bring the vaccine to people now in order to get those numbers up. Uh, because as great as they are, you That's still need to get them up. We need to meet people where they um, are. And, right. And, you know, the population now that has the vaccine has, there are people who are like you, you and I, Hills, who are going to go get it no matter what. We're going to do whatever it takes, right? But... There are people who don't have the resources or can't take time off work or whatever, so you need to go into the community, and Biden's talked about this, and meet people where they are, and hopefully we can do that across the, the, the board. And um, Are you sure he's not going to Deep Creek Lake to have fun in the lake on a boat? <laughs> um, I think he might do a few cannonballs, um, you know, but I think uh, hopefully he's he's there to really push the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you make a, a very good point about um, meeting people where they are because we're never gonna we're never gonna get out of this unless we actually do some work about this. And I just want to talk for a second about the people who are not going to get the vaccine and who like venomously are against it. They love Trump. Trump is the one who also got a va- he got a vaccine. So he's vaccinated. And he's the one who they want credit to be, to have started the vaccine. But then they're not going to do the vaccine, even though Trump was the one who, like, his administration started the production of these vaccines. So, like, there's no logic with these people, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love Trump. He should get credit. But also, I'm not going to take that because, you know. <laughs> but Trump did it. So, and I love Trump, but I'm not going to do it. Like, what the hell? What the hell? Yeah, it, it really makes zero sense. Well, we're never going to make sense of those people. It just, I saw, I saw something about it and I was like, you guys are just so stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so what does this all mean? What does this mean for Biden and politics going forward? So the country's are returning to normal. We have a majority of people who have gotten at least one dose with almost half of people fully vaccinated. Um, you know, it depends on the age range, but above the age of 18, 51% are vaccinated. So that's huge. Uh, the economy is opening up. We're seeing, seems that we're really past the worst of this pandemic. Um, but politics has not changed, though. The pandemic has only shown that the GOP cannot be trusted and they will vote down every single bill. You know, they barely passed the stimulus bills for COVID relief, right? So they have been fighting tooth and nail not to do anything. Honestly, they haven't done anything since passing the Supreme Court justice other than tax cuts. Like, people should, re uh, Democrats should really go on the offensive about how they've literally done nothing for this country and continue <laughs> to do, not do anything for the country. It's just absolutely insane. Um, Josh, you have any thoughts of how things opening up and what it what it could mean? I think that as you know, the economy gets back to it, and I think so, open up, um, and people will return to normal. Hopefully, they'll give Biden some credit. But um, you and I know this, Hills, that as as you said, the GOP, not, like none of them voted for the COVID relief bill. A number of them are going back home talking about how, oh, I helped with this, I helped with this. And they're like, no, no, you didn't. You you voted against it. And now that you see it's a great bill and how it's helping people, and now you're going back and and telling people, oh, well, I actually did this. And and Biden and the Dems need to take uh, uh, charge of that. Biden needs to remind people that in a very nice way um, that, like, you know, I promised you shots and, and arms and I promised you checks. And you got both those things and you didn't get them because the GOP put along. You got them because you, we had enough. We had barely enough Dems to make your life better. And if you want your life to be even more, even better, you need to put more Dems into office. I think that's the message that he needs to go with is that Dems got you this. Republicans vote against it. <laughs> Please do not vote us out in 2022 because we're doing good stuff for you no but it, it's true so like what does covid under control mean for for biden going forward i think you know a he should take credit as just as you said b he, he can play hardball without being dirty right biden doesn't like to get his hands dirty it's not who he is but he he can play hardball this is like politics this is what people do and we've seen over the last four years that republicans respond to fear Trump calls him out on his Twitter feed. They do exactly what he says he's going to do because his voters love Trump, right? Like, we could put pressure on these GOP people to to vote for a bill. We just have to actually end up doing it, right? You should Biden should go into the offensive. He's popular, and people trust him on issues like this. His approval rating is pretty steady, like the steadiest it's been for a sitting president so far since World War II. It, like has i think bottomed out so far at 55 percent, and it's stuck there like people trust him people like what he's doing and to boot he's up 20 points with hispanics 20 points and that's an area where he lost some ground to trump so he is popular he's getting more popular and i think now is the time to push for what he wants whether it's the voting rights bill the infrastructure bill this could be a really triumphant moment for him and his administration, and you can play hardball with maintaining your credibility and honesty like Biden likes to do. What do you think about that? 
I love every bit of what you just said, Hills. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. He's very, very popular. Uh, you know, he's proven to people that he wants to use government to make your life better. And he needs to push hard for one other thing that he wants. Because the reality, and it's so sad, but the reality is he probably has like one good bill left to get before we get into 2022 and then people start to go to midterms and no one's going to want to pass anything in the election leading up to the midterms. Anything significant, I should say. Um, so Biden's got to focus. Do I want to do my voting rights bill? Do I want to do my infrastructure bill? Like, what do I want? And play hardball and tout your successes. Democrats don't do enough of touting their successes. And I'm really interested to see how Biden does that moving forward. Yeah, you have to tout your successes. And you we've seen... In history, the most successful presidents have been one that respond to the moment and B, get their legislation through Congress. And you don't get legislation through Congress without with being a nice guy, right? You have to be mean to people in your own party, like Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin. They gotta they gotta pony up, and you gotta put some pressure on them. Whether it's taking resources away or saying, "Hey, you can vote for whatever you want, but on this bill, this is what you need to do," and if you don't do that. I, like we're going to have problems or when it's with Republicans, like there is a number of liberal Republicans out there. You, they voted for like there's a list of them because they voted for things that are like anti-Trump. You can put pressure on them by going to their districts, by calling them out and putting fear into them. And you know what? They're going to end up doing what you want. They're going to come to the table because they have they operate on fear. So you got to play a little hardball here because it's politics, because, you know, who's playing hardball right now? Mitch McConnell. And he's winning. Because he's having his conference hold up lots and lots of legislation with a, with a filibuster. So change the rules for a filibuster. Make it in person. You don't have to do away the filibuster. You can just change the rules of it to make it harder to do. Like, as an incremental step to getting rid of it entirely. Like, there are things that you could do here. You just have to look like a little bit of an evil guy. But this is the job. <laughs> I love Biden. I just, I, I think he can take his congressional strategy to the next level. And... He certainly can. I should be working for him. I should be doing it for him. <laughs> yeah, I think the moral here is that we have to get you working for Biden. Yeah, I'm Biden, I know you're listening to the podcast. I, I don't mean that disrespect, but I, we, could, we could take your, your game plan to the next level. <laughs> you know. I know you're listening to this right before your daily briefing, so we're humbled that you do that. Right, and if you, and if you, you know, make sure that you stay tuned for the dessert, Mr. President, because... Uh, the daily briefing can, can, can wait, but the dessert cannot. Yeah, yeah. You, you have the ability to tell us about the dessert. Too, <laughs> so you can make it public. <laughs> uh, Josh, are you ready to move on to a little bit of budget talk? Yes. Let's talk Biden's budget. Welcome to your side dish, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about Biden's budget for a hot minute. So... Every administration every year produces a budget. You might hear a lot about this in the news when it comes out, and that's sort of intentional. You might hear about, in Trump's budget, he does this, this, and this, and, you know, all these terrible, terrible things. And, you know, Biden's budget just came out, and Republicans may say that about Biden's budget. But a budget document is kind of like a, it's a wish list for the administration because budget documents, at least in modern presidencies, never really get past in in full right a budget is just kind of like a blueprint and guiding light it kind of shows where the administration's priorities are it kind of shows you know it's more messaging but biden's budget has 
everything under the sun that he's ever wanted to do. It includes infrastructure, it includes family plans, it includes every single piece of student loan forgiveness, includes everything. Everything he's ever wanted to do is in this budget document, and it comes out to $6 trillion, which is a pretty massive budget. But again, you might see this stuff in the news that Biden wants to spend $6 trillion. I'm sure, in, in ideally, he would, but it's a messaging document. It shows you where the priorities are. It shows you how people are going to pay for some things in an ideal world. It really also shows, it offers a path to kind of what messaging he's going to be using. Also, you know, his budget in in practice offers help and aid to the middle class at the expense of the rich, which is kind of what he's been saying all along. It also indicates in the budget that he unveiled that they really want to invest in the economy to keep it running um, as things start to reopen over the next couple of you know months and years so it's a it's a pretty large budget it's probably not going to get passed but it, it's a really you know key document in an administration's policy efforts so josh what do you think about a six trillion dollar budget yeah um you know i think uh what you said hills makes a lot of sense and is really important for people to remember that it is a messaging document right and there's no way i don't think I can't foresee any scenario in a way that where Biden gets all six trillion, right? But he's laying out for the people, for fellow Democrats, like the things that he thinks we should focus on, right? Um, and you know, a big part of the budget, and we're not going to get into, you know, the nitty gritty of the budget, <laughs> but a big part is that you know he's trying to pave this budget as a way to help the middle class and make the rich pay for it um which is not a terrible message i think that's something that biden should use more <laughs> uh i think you should not talk about the middle class because i only like rich people <laughs> i i just think like that that's a very popular message and it's something that i think he should use in the midterms and democrats should use but no i mean you know it's it's got lots of good stuff in it. It's stuff that I think a lot of Democrats will like. We we just we shouldn't get too attached to it because I just don't think there's a way that it's going to get passed. You're exactly correct, right? It's it's a good message. It's not going to get passed. It's maybe some headlines come out about it, <clears throat> but it's a bold sign after years of Trump, right? Most of the time they're policy wish list, but this is what a change in leadership actually means. This is Trump would never have a budget like this maybe in cost, but also in content. The fact that this, the administration identifies these needs for families and the middle class is something that is a huge, huge change. And when we actually have budgets based on good principles, you you know, you can expect this to be a guiding document for the 2022 election. So um, we're gonna, I'm going to put a, a link to a summary of the budget in the show notes you know, just I suggest all listeners, if you're curious, go find an article about it from an unbiased source and go look at what he is proposing, because I think you would not see this from a Republican president. And people need to be reminded about that. Hills, can, can I a uh, quick side note here that I think is, is funny. Um, Rand Paul, you know, our favorite doctor in Congress, um, has been on this kick lately where he is posting a picture of quails uh, that are doing cocaine um, and then having quail sex and he is 
He has this picture of quails, like, head deep in cocaine. And it's like, $340 million. And it's like, Biden is spending $340 million in his budget about quails doing drugs and having sex. And this was like, some weird scientist thing that was that like was back in like Obama's like 2013 budget, but Rand Paul every year in the Senate has talked about this, except for the time when Trump was in office. And now that Trump's not in office anymore, he's bringing back his quail cocaine thing, and it's so strange. The GOP just find the most ridiculous shit to be upset about. And if you just Google like Rand Paul quails, you'll see him having this, these pictures about him railing about how terrible Biden's budget is and how we're wasting taxpayer money on quail and cocaine and studying quail sex. So, See, this is what a Republican senator is doing. He's not adding to the conversation. He's trying to subtract <laughs> and distract from the conversation. I just... Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I everyone should go and, and type in... Rand Paul Quayle, and you will see him up on the Senate floor. It says, cocaine and risky sex habits of quail. It's got a budget of 356 or $7,000, and it's a picture of a quail putting its head in cocaine. And, like, <laughs> why is, like, what is Rand Paul adding to the conversation? The nation is dealing with a pandemic, inflation, racial you know, uh, tensions are still high, and Rand Paul is up on his high horse talking about some taxpayer-funded thing and some government-funded budget thing about quails, and I, I just, I, 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 I don't get it, Hills. I just don't get it. I mean, it's, a, it's the same vein of, like, Dr. Seuss stuff, right? It's, like, culture war stuff that, like, it's a distraction to try and, like, discredit the administration, and... It's a budget. Like, first of all, this wouldn't get passed anyway. Like, the, it's not going to get passed anyway. It's just, I don't know who stuck it in there or what purpose it is. I mean, maybe we should look into what the purpose is. So maybe it has a significant purpose to do that. <laughs> so just, like, maybe we should ask questions instead of just assuming. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but I don't know what it's about. I mean, right. I mean, right? look, there, <laughs> there is a drug like crisis in the United States. And... I'm not saying that we're trying to shoot up quail with cocaine, but like if we can study the effects of cocaine and maybe move towards some, you know, bill or something. Like, like, like there's, there's just a reason for it. But like, again, Rand Paul is not adding to the conversation. He's not being a productive member of Congress here. He's, he's just, he's looking for small things and then touting himself as, you know, oh, look at this and look at this big government, blah, blah. blah and he's not, adding it he's, he's not being beneficial to the conversation so anyways he never that was he never no was. no that was a side that was a side a side piece but i just thought that that was, that was funny that he's you know has a sign on congress that says you know quail uh you know quail and cocaine and risky sex habits and it's 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 just comical at some point it is comical he's 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 a i can't believe kentucky continues to elect him to a, to a Senate position, but he's there, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's that's what happens with budgets. But, yeah. um, I, I can't think of a good transition. But we're going to talk about UFOs because that's pretty <laughs> cool, and it's it's a political thing. Don't worry, it's not. It, it's related. We, we promise us. Anyway, that's coming up right now. Yeah. 
for your dessert, we're going to talk about UFOs, Unidentified Flying Objects. So, basically, um, UFOs exist. <laughs> um, and uh, I think aliens exist. So, that's just, you know, there it is. That's the whole segment. Uh, no. Um, the Uf UFOs have basically been confirmed by everybody uh, that's in the, the Navy, uh, even people that Obama appointed. Um, there are tons and tons and tons of government videos uh, and, you know, pilot recordings and sources that have noticed these things that are just in the air and they don't know what, what it is and they are just starting to release these videos and the theory is either you know you see these these videos and they're very grainy and there's this just this, this flying object just kind of sitting there and all of a sudden it just it's gone like it just it just leaves, <laughs> and you hear these pilots talking about like oh I don't know what that was and like what the hell was that and the theory is it's either aliens or some country has this un you know, never before seen incredible technology that they've kept hidden from the world for years and years and years, um, and pilots in the navy are also being said are also have uh, on record I'm saying that they've been fired. Or they've been threatened with termination if they leak things about UFOs. Um, so there is an unclassified public report due to Congress as early as this month on UFOs. So, Hills, the big question is where are the aliens and do, do they listen to the pod? <laughs> they do listen to the pod. And I think they're going to be very honored we're talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I, this is, I feel like this came out in the news and everyone's like, oh, wow. And then it kind of, stopped like i mean this is like pretty crazy <laughs> look do i believe that every single video of an unidentified object is an alien i, I don't because i think sometimes there's a lot of explanations for people things that people don't realize when they see something in the sky but you look at some of these videos right and you're just like all right that's got to be something that <laughs> we don't know what it is right <laughs> like even obama came out him like there's a quote from Barack Obama, and he's like, yeah, there are a lot of videos about things we just can't explain, <laughs> and that's kind of what he, that's the extent of what he said, and I, I do not believe that there's another country that is, like, testing out, like, things that do, that, that are not sort of, like, in the realm of what we believe, like, a, a plane or something like that, like, a UFO dipping below the ocean and going away, like, that's not something China or Russia has. Like, we have to remember, like, these countries, like, I'd be super surprised if they have some sort of crazy machinery like that. This is not a Marvel movie, right? Like, unless they do have something like that. But, like, there's just so many videos, and you can't explain all of them. So, seems like seems like we're getting some alien visitors here. Hopefully, uh, if they are listening, they will leave us in peace. We mean you no harm. I think aliens are great. Please don't probe me. Um, and uh, <laughs> I just, I think it's 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 crazy. We need to make aliens great again. That's what I think. <laughs> no, and I I don't know what this report like. This whole I think a lot of this is is because of what you just mentioned that there's going to be an unclassified public report due to Congress coming up very soon and so i think that's kind of what has built buzz around this and it's something that was slipped into one of the stimulus bills that trump signed i think the december one so uh 
I don't know if we're going to learn anything. I think it, you know, the military community is not going to be like, yes, we know there are UFOs and alien intelligence out there, right? They're not going to say that, but they're going to, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty bland, but I think that's why this, all this hype is happening. But, you know, maybe after this report comes out, got to see what Biden does because he can declassify whatever he wants. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. I doubt he's going to say, like, yes, we have proof of alien life and here are some photos. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that. <laughs> but I do think that we might be in another. If you were interested in UFOs and alien, uh, you know, intelligence not from Earth, we might be in a new stage where the government may not be as secretive about it as they once were. Right, right. And hey, if nothing else, if you don't like Biden because of covid relief or of the infrastructure plan or voting rights maybe you can get behind the fact that he might tell us aliens exist and that would be something to get behind biden about he's gonna earn my vote forever yeah well hey i if biden tells you that there there are aliens and shows me pictures i will vote for him forever (laughs) even when he's not on the ballot i will just write in joe biden uh doing something that trump could never do oh he should run with that oh my god (laughs) <laughs> oh my god you know how pissed off trump would get oh he'd be so angry yeah i uh oh. i did something trump could never do oh my god that would that would set him off oh oh god that'd be the best <laughs> so yeah aliens exist hooray yay <laughs> uh well stay safe from the aliens uh, or maybe maybe become friends with them and if they're if you're friends with them tell them to listen to the pod tell them that you know <laughs> We're good people, and we have the answer to your pre-dinner shot coming up right now. Okay, you made it, everybody. We're going to give you the answer to your pre-dinner shot. So the question was, which state has the highest vaccination rate and the lowest vaccination rate of at least one dose? So the highest vaccinated, vaccinated state with at least one dose is Vermont at 69% of their population, eligible population, has had at least one dose. And the lowest one is Mississippi, with 33.9% of their eligible population receiving at least one dose. Is that surprising to you, Josh? No, not in the slightest. It's very di- it's very disheartening <laughs> that Mississippi is so low. Great for uh, Vermont, though. That's wonderful. But Mississippi, not surprising at all. A close second to Mississippi was Wyoming. They Ugh. were pretty low, too. Also not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> and second to Vermont was Hawaii. Ooh, and then Massachusetts. Okay. okay. But you have to think about with these smaller states, at least Vermont and Hawaii, I mean... Their population is not as big as like Ohio and, and New York. So like it's great that there are sixty nine percent, but it might be a little bit easier to get that those numbers. But still, I mean, Mississippi has no excuse for itself. Yeah, that's never does. No, I'm sorry. Thirty like four percent, like that's that that's too low. I'm sorry. That's way too low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One in three people potentially yeah. have a one one dose. <laughs> Gosh. Uh Well, before you go, we have a few things for you. Uh, First of all, thank you. Second of all, the intro and the outro music is by Brett Hillsberg, and the transition music is by Joseph McDade. If you enjoyed our episode today, please hit the subscribe button uh, wherever you're listening to. It's super easy, and you never miss an episode from us. 
If you love our show, leave a written review. Uh, if we get more and more reviews, the podcast will turn on for more people, and so they get to listen to us with you. So that's great. So if you love us, please leave us a review. If you have any questions, you can email us at threecoursepolitics at gmail.com. Josh, you have anything to, to add before we go? No, just uh, thank, thank you, everyone, for, for listening. I uh, appreciate you being patient with us as we uh, were off for a little bit, and we will talk to you guys again soon. Yes, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.